Amen. Take your Bible, Eric, and your device or whatever, and um, turn to Mark chapter 14, and then also Luke 22. Mark 14 and Luke 22. Basically the same passage, but we're going to read it in both books. Mark 14. And let's start in verse 12. Again, Mark 14 and Luke 22. Mark 14, verse 12. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, Go into the city. And a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. Now go to the book of Luke. 22, we'll start in verse 7. Again, basically the same. Verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. And he replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. Father, some words have been put down on paper. Some crazy thoughts, but maybe they're apropos to us and this church. Use what has been prepared in your name. Amen. 15.5 million people work in food service, restaurants. 84% of people say going out to a restaurant with family and friends is a better use of their leisure time than cooking and cleaning up at home. Amen to that, huh? In the United States, there are 749,000 restaurants. And yet, how many times on a Friday night? Where do you want to go? I don't know. <laughs> there are only 138,000 single location restaurants. In other words, all the other 600,000 are chains. In other words, we got two locations here. We got locations all over the county. The highest concentration of restaurants Per capita, in other words, per household, the highest number is in San Francisco. There's four restaurants per 10,000 people in San Francisco. So if you go to San Francisco, there's more restaurants for you to eat in San Francisco than anywhere else in the United States. Average amount that each U.S. household spends per year at a restaurant, average year, this is what we spend on average, $2,400 we spend per year in restaurants. 
Last year, total sales of restaurants, $990 billion. That's how much money restaurants pulled in. How about that? Last year, 23% of yearly sales was online ordering. How about that? A quarter of all the money that restaurants last year, a quarter of that was online ordering. According to Grubhub, last year saw a 33% rise in pineapple ordered on pizza. Does it belong on pizza? According to Grubhub, it's rising, okay? More people like pizza started to rise last year. What, it's, it's, it, you have it, huh? Love it, it works. Slice of pe people ham on there, it works. Yeah, and in 1992, all those restaurants began using something like this. Remember these? Now you go to fancy restaurants and they text you when your table's ready, all righty, whatever. Uh, waiting lists are starting to go away. Not many restaurants take reservations. But in 1992, this device started in the state of California. From best I could find at an Applebee's restaurant, they began first using the paging device. And you went to the restaurant, oh, it's going to be 20 minutes. That's okay. They give you this thing. And when they gave you this, you thought, how cool is this? And you said, You waited. Now, this is from Panera. Panera won't tell you that your table's ready, but this one will tell you that your order's ready, so you go up to the counter. But when they first came out, they basically said, your table's ready when this went on. Jesus had the disciples go to a place. They didn't have a digital device like that or a paging device, but at some point, the disciples were like, we're just going to do it. And guess what? Jesus had prepared a place where the table was ready. I don't usually put sermon titles, but if you needed to, you could put um, sermon title fill over this one. But I think you could also put tables ready. But how about this one? You want to make God smile? <laughs> Tell him your plans. Ready? So, well, you kind of use both of those. Um, but I'm going to talk a little bit about God's plans. For the disciples, their table was ready. Plans were made and he has plans for us. Point to somebody and say, he has plans for you. Point to yourself, he has plans for me. Now take your hand like this and go all around and says, he has plans for this church. He has plans for this church. What kind of plans, Pastor Dan? Well, there's three points. Every good sermon has three points, all righty? This has three points, which means it's a good sermon. Point number one, he has large plans. His large plans. The scripture says, prepare, go to a room that it is large. He's going to show you a room that's, God has large plans for you and I. I didn't say he wants us to be large. I didn't say he wants us to become large. I said he has large plans for us. Jesus had a place in mind that was large enough for those that he wanted. There was room to move around. It wasn't a cramped place. It wasn't a crowded place. It wasn't a congested place. It wasn't small. It wasn't medium. It was large. God has large plans for us. 
Sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend large, so I have a couple examples of large. God knows all about large. So if we go over here to this little rim over here, right here by this cross, you see that where the, where the things are right there up that way? See where the little thing comes down? Guess how tall that is right there? That's nine feet. That's how tall Goliath was. So Goliath could hang his, he could rub his forehead right on that little thing right there. God knows all about large. The blue whale, largest mammal in the ocean, blue whale. When a blue whale is fully grown, when it stops growing, a blue whale is 100 feet long. Guess how long this building is right here? 80 feet from that door to up here to this steps. 80 feet. A blue whale is 20 feet longer than this womb. That's a lot of whales. God is into large. Let's do one more. Niagara Falls. Anybody been there? Did you ride the barrel? Did you go over the barrel? It was fun. My wife and I did that. Got a headache afterward. It was wonderful. Niagara Falls. Now, I can tell you that, that we'll explain it first. Over Niagara Falls, during the day, is a certain amount of water that goes over. And at night, a certain amount of water goes over. So average... On average, over Niagara Falls, 85,000 cubic feet of water per second. Like, well, how, how big is 85,000 square feet? Guess what I did? I came here this week. I said, Debbie, can I come to the church? I need to make some measurements of the room. So I measured this room. Of course, we already know that it's 80 feet. From that wall to that wall is 70 feet, all righty? Anybody take, got your phone? You got a calculator? You want to help me out here? All righty. And basically, from this floor to this ceiling, we, I, I didn't do this stuff because that's too much calculation for me and I got to see in math. So, so from this floor to this ceiling is 11 feet. So we want to get how many cubic feet can be in this room. We got to do what? Multiply, right? 80 times 70 times 11. Thank you very much. 61,600 cubic feet are in this room. And every second, 85,000 cubic feet of water go over Niagara Falls. So fill this room up with water. And every second, plus 20,000 other square feet of water every second water is going over Niagara Falls. Can you imagine even filling up this room in one second? What? Every second. That's how much water is going over Niagara Falls. God is into large. He's into large. Let's, let's do one more thing. The Titanic. All righty. Titanic. Big, big attention several years back when that movie came out, all righty. Uh, so how big is the Titanic? Well, so when I was here, I decided to measure your parking lot. So from that corner where that stop sign is, I don't know what road this is over here. Well, this will mean something when you go out here, all righty. So when people go out, people look and say, oh, he's looking. Hey, he's looking too. Yeah, it must be something. Well, first of all, Noah's Ark was 513 feet long. 
So when you look at your parking lot, almost double your parking lot was how long Noah's Ark was. The Titanic was 886 feet long. 886. So almost three times the length of your parking lot, almost all the way down the long meadow. That's how the big, the Titanic boat was. There's a new boat now. It just came out. It's called the Icon of the Seas. Guess how long it is? It's almost 1,200 feet long. So take your parking lot, almost four-time parking lot. That's how long that cruise ship is. All righty? Short service today because me and my wife got to get on it later on today. That's a joke. That's how large that boat is. So 1,200 feet, just short of a quarter mile. God is into large. Those are all large but God has even larger plans for us, right? <laughs> He's got large plans for us. He's got large plans for me. He's got large plans for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. He's got large plans for all of us, but also large plans for each of us. Can I say that again? He's got large plans for all of us, but he's got large plans for each of us. Luke 14, there's a parable about the great supper. A certain man invites many people. He sends out to his servant and asks, come for all things are ready. Some began to make excuses. The master of the house is told, he says, go out quickly into the streets and bring in the poor, bring in the maimed, bring in the blind, bring in the lame. The servant says, master, it's already been done, but there is still room. There's still room. Do you consider yourself poor in spirit or in wallet? <laughs> Can't see where you're going, got a handicap, have a hard time walking in life? Guess what? He's got large plans and all of you are included in his large plans because there's still room, say this with me, for you. There's still room for you. Go home on your street and point to the houses and say, there's still room for you, room for you, you, you. There's still room for us all. God is into large. We're going to come back to this later on in the sermon. Point number two, you still with me? Oh, you're lying through your teeth. Also in verse two, uh, verse, not only is his plans were up uh, large, but it's also furnished, furnished. The place Jesus had in mind for his disciples was already furnished. A place to sit, provided. A place to rest, provided. A table to eat, provided. Water for their thirst, provided. Bread for their hunger, provided. Everything they needed, it was provided already in that room. It was included in the plans that he made. It was furnished. Newspaper, remember that? There was actually a time that newspapers actually had want ads. Remember the want ads? Man, a while back we would look at the want ads pretty much every weekend. There was a garage sale column. What was, who's doing the garage sale column? And in some want ads there were apartments or houses. And usually there were two columns, apartments unfurnished. And sometimes there was apartments furnished. I mean, you could just move right into the apartment. All the furniture's already there. Great. In the culture of this account, 
If you were wealthy, you could add on to your house a guest room, rent it out for parties, weddings, dinners, this occasion, Passover. Jesus took the necessary steps to provide a place for whoever and the needs were already met. His plans are furnished. The opposite of that is unfurnished, which means you're on your own. God never says you're on your own. Never says that. His plans always mean, I got this. Or as George Lopez says in his, in his show, I got this. That's what God says, I got this. And his plans are furnished. Take your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's read a scripture out of there. You'll find it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Deuteronomy. It's right there. Deuteronomy 6, verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant, and then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God brought them to the promised land and it was furnished. <laughs> it was a land full with milk and honey. Or as the Veggie Tales card sticky. <laughs> Remember that? The Lord your God brings, it's furnished. All the disciples had to do was find the man with the water and follow him to the house. There's a sermon all in itself just in that. Find the guy with the water. Get to the house. Everything's prepared. You still got your scriptures? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's right there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, 1 Corinthians. You'll find it. 1 Corinthians 2, look at verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even fathom what he's prepared. He's got stuff up his sleeve that we can't even imagine what he's planning. Because it's large and it's furnished. Plan that thing number one was large. Number two is furnished. Number three, his plans are upper. Jesus told his disciples, you're going to find a guy. It's a large upper room. His plans are way above what he can even imagine. His plans are upper plans. His plans for you and I are above the plans that you and I have for ourselves. <laughs> Parents, we've got great plans for our kids. He's got even better plans. 
His plans are so far above what we can think. Honestly, when my kids were growing up, I just wanted, my plans were just, please don't let their picture ever show up in a post office. Remember that? You remember that time when your kids were like, oh, man. There was a time when my son Nathaniel was going to preschool. I'm just like, please don't let him run off the stage in Christmas program. I just don't let it, just don't let him run off the stage. Sometimes our plans are down here. I didn't have any plans for him to be a lineman. No, I didn't have plans for Megan to be a physical therapist. I had no plans at all. I just wanted them to not be first name basis with the school principal. Right? Listen, our plans for our kids are down here. God's plans are up here. Some of you, your own plans are down here. God's plans are up here. <laughs> God's plans are higher. His plans are not of earth. And since we're born of heaven, not of earth, then I'd rather have his plans, not my plans, right? I'd rather have his plans. His plans are upper. There's a thing called fear of heights. Anybody know what it's called? What is fear of heights called? You're thinking, you're thinking, oh, some of you are going to, what? Vertigo, it happens. It's actually called acrophobia. Acrophobia. Three main reasons why people have fear of heights. Acrophobia. Number one, the view is different that you're not used to. When you get real high, wait a minute, I'm not used to this view. Number two, you're not on solid ground. And number three, there's a fear of falling while you're up there. Those three main reasons, if you have some of those things, you're just not really sure about those fear of heights. Oh, no. People don't ride roller coasters because of that first hill that's way up there. Oh, no. Ah! Acrophobia. Fear of heights. I can tell you that you don't need to be afraid of his upper plans. <laughs> He'll never drop you. Never does. I'm naturally drawn, if you have your scriptures, turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. It's right there. Genesis, Exodus, Luke, Genesis, Isaiah. Boom. Isaiah 55. Guess what it says? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. He thinks so much higher than all of us. He has upper plans. I think survive, God thinks thrive. I think running on empty, running on, Jackson Brown, thank you very much. I think running on empty, but he thinks full and overflowing. I think minnow. God thinks blue whale. <laughs> God thinks plans that I can't even fathom. Now, I ran across this bumper sticker theology thing here. I couldn't figure out where to put it in, but it fits right here. <laughs> Satan has a plot, but God has a plan. Right? Sometimes bumper sticker theology works. First Corinthians says that the Satan, he's a schemer. He know, we know his schemes. He is trying everything he can to trick all of us up. Satan has a plot, 
God has a plan. His plans are upper. His plans are better than what we can even imagine. Or as my favorite author, Mr. Roger, would say, his plans are superior, chief, head, master, principal, paragon, champion, top dog, the best, elite. His plans excel, surpass, exceed, transcend, overcome, best, better, tower above, predominate, prevail, outweigh. His plans Take the cake, triumph, overshadow, eclipse, outdo, outrival, outclass, outshine, overmatch, outperform, outmaneuver, outdistance, take precedence, outrank. His plans are greater, finer, higher, over, super, imminent, outstanding, distinguished, mark, excellent, supreme, greatest, uppermost, first rate, A number one, foremost, headmost, matchless, unequaled, unsurpassable, beyond compare, and without equal. That's what his plans are. That's what his plans are. Of course, how can you not go to this scripture when you mention the word plans, Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and harm you, not to give you hope in the future. Can I, can I go on a quick rabbit trail that kind of relates to the sermon? Can I do this rabbit trail? So when I met my wife, Tammy, we got to dating. I was, I was in Lakeland, Florida at Southeastern. She, was, she had already graduated from uh, nursing school. She had a nurse diploma. She and her roommate were living there. We all went to the same church. We became friends at first. And when she told me that her favorite verse was Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm like, I better keep in touch with this lady right here. Because I knew that she knew that God had a plan for her life. And I wanted to hook up with somebody that knew that God had a plan for their life. Jeremiah 29. With, with that said, I ran across this poem just this, just this week. So the first time I preached this sermon was way back in 2018. How about that? I preached that way back then. And I just ran across this. This is a poem written by a young girl that she prayed for the guy she wanted to marry. Long ago, listen to this prayer she prayed. Dear God, I pray all unafraid as girls are wont to be. I do not want a handsome man, but make him Lord like thee. I do not need one big and strong, nor yet so very tall, nor need he be some genius or wealthy Lord at all. But let his head be high Dear God, and let his eye be clear, his shoulders straight, whatever his fate, whatever his earthly sphere. And let his face have character, a ruggedness of soul, and let his whole life show, dear God, a singleness of goal. And when he comes as he will come with quiet eyes aglow, I know, dear Lord, that he's the man I prayed for long ago. Guess who prayed that prayer long before she met her man? That was prayed and written by Ruth Bell Graham, and she ended up marrying Billy Graham. Come on! <laughs> so parents of girls, <laughs> pray this for your daughter, that she will pray that prayer, and who knows what kind of guy that she will get. God's plans are upper plans. 
As we finish, there's one thing that needs to be said about this. Jesus said, you're going to find a room that's large, it's furnished, and it's upper. And then he said this, make ready there. In other words, cancel all your other appointments to that place. Large. Furnished. Upper. What, what do you think of? What do you think of large, furnished, upper? Gotta be, say it, say it loud, say it. Gotta be heaven. Gotta be heaven. It's a large place. It's not gonna be a cramped place. Anybody, anybody is qualified to get there as long as they say, okay, God, I want you as my personal savior. There's never gonna be out of room. Some denominations think it's only 144,000 going to be there. I'm telling you, 144,000 times 144,000. I don't care what the square root is. It's got room for everybody. It's large. It's furnished. Everything we need is up there. Everything we need is up there. We can eat as many Whoppers as we want without gaining any weight at all. I don't know if I just put Burger King in heaven or not. <laughs> All I know is we're going to be as he is. We will be known as he is known. We're going to be like him, the scripture says. And if we're going to be like him, guess what? He walked through walls after the resurrection. Do I get to walk through walls? I want to find out. I want to find out. And not only can he walk through walls, he said, give me a piece of bread and I'll eat it. So he gave him a piece of fish, he ate it. Like, how can he, how can he eat fish and still walk through walls? I don't know, but that's what we're going to get to do. In the large, furnished, and upper place. Let's talk a little bit about that large thing. It says in Revelation 21, way after the whole millennium's done, the tribulation, all that stuff. At some point, Revelation 21 says, there's going to be a new Jerusalem it's going to come down from heaven. In fact, the Bible talks about its dimensions. Listen to this. It's going to be 1,500 miles that way, 1,500 miles that way, and 1,500 miles that way. How can we fathom what that is the new Jerusalem is going to be? I'm here to tell you. Think of a city this big. It's going to go from Miami to New York City. It's going to go from New York City to Minneapolis. It's going to go from Minneapolis to San Antonio, Texas, and from San Antonio, Texas to Miami. That's how big this new Jerusalem's going to be. I don't know. I can't fathom it. I can't because it's large, furnished, and it's upper. At some point, it's going to come down. Now, listen to this. Just as, just as long as it is wide and high, it's going to be that tall. How many are into the space station? See the space station sometimes it fly over? All right. Um, the next time the space station is viewable here in Ravenna is actually, to, uh, well, if the sky's clear, at 7 o'clock tonight, 7.05 tonight, for three minutes, 26 degrees above the horizon, northwest. So where's my direction? How, where's north from here? Where am I, where's north? North? This is north? Behind you is north. So... 
in, the, in Northwest, wherever the Northwest point is, if the sky's clear tonight, you can see the space station from 10, to 26, uh, 10 degrees above the horizon to 26 to north to northeast. All right, so you'll be able to see the space station going over that way. If you miss it tonight, tomorrow night, 7.54, same thing, 26 degrees above the horizon, northwest to north, northeast. The space station orbits the Earth at 220 miles above us. It doesn't make that sound. I added that. 220, that's how far the space station is high. This new Jerusalem that's coming down is going to be 1,500 miles high. <laughs> if there's still a space station, we can be on the 47th floor and look down at the space station. How you guys doing? That's how large this place is that I am preparing to go. There's one major thing that's holding me back from getting there. I gotta die. <laughs> but listen, listen, I'm not afraid to die because I know where I'm going. Now, some people don't say, some people would have a different phrase from that. Woody Allen, not a very theologian guy, used this all the time when I talk to my hospice patients. Guess what Woody Allen said? He said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> How about that for a line? Meaning, when it comes time for me to pass, I don't mind being pleasantly confused. Let me be asleep or let me go just like that. But when I die, I really don't want to be there when it happens. But I'm also not afraid to die because... I've already made my reservation. And listen, at some point <laughs> for my life, this is going to go off. And as Robin Williams once said, death is nature's way of saying, your table is ready. At some point, this for my life is going to go off and God's going to say, Dan, or maybe he's going to call me what I was knowing when I was little, Danny, your table is ready. <laughs> your table is ready. And when it does, I'm going to take my last breath here and my first breath. Come on. And I'm going to be in a large, furnished upper place. There's no other place I want to be. For some of you, though, maybe you're not quite ready. The scripture says, as Jesus told his disciples, please make preparations to be there. To be there. He wants you to be there. I want you to be there. This whole church wants you to be there. Just don't go there today. But if something happens, please, you have an opportunity in this room to make your reservation. Make your reservation. Would you stand?
We're going to have two kind of altar calls. First one is simply for the people who, man, I'm just not sure if I'm ready, Pastor Dan. We're going to just pause for a moment. I want you to be ready. I want you to make your reservation. I want your name to get written down. The scripture talks about the Lamb's Book of Life. Get your name on that podium at the big reception place in the sky so that when the angel says, yeah, I got your name written right here, but you do your best now. Get your reservation made. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want what that guy's talking about. Please come into my heart and help me live for you. I want you to pray that with all the sincerity of your heart. This church wants to help you walk that path. Not gonna tell you, I'm going it's not going to be easy. But he wants you to be there. This church wants you to be there. If you said that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you find somebody here in this church to say, listen, I prayed that what prayer that guy prayed, and I need some help walking. Second thing we're going to pray about <laughs> are the plans for this church. I'm not saying he wants this church to be large. I'm just saying he's got large plans I'm not saying it means two three services on a Sunday morning and one on a Saturday night I'm not saying that all I'm saying he's got large plans for this church when Pastor Dan comes in here beginning of March he's going to start laying stuff out and he knows that God knows there's large plans so we're going to begin to pray for these plans. Furnished. When people come in this building, we want to meet their needs. Are they blind? Maybe spiritually blind, physically blind? We want to make sure they're lame, they're halt, poor, spirit, poor in wallet. <laughs> this church can take care of their needs. This church can take care of their needs. We said it before. <laughs> God's not into small He's not into medium. He's into large. God's not into unfurnished. He's into furnished. And he's not into lower. He's into upper. Father, we kind of formally bring this service to a conclusion, but we know that you still have work to do in us and through us. So we're going to formally close with prayer, but we're going to open up the front. Maybe people want to come and pray. Maybe people want to pray in their pews. But Father, we pray for ourselves and we pray for our church and the plans you have for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.